You're listening to the Jersey Hardwood Podcast, sponsored by LG Insurance. I'm with local sportscaster Matt Lachlan and fellow podcaster John McAlevey. And Rutgers has done it, gentlemen. After 30 years of futility, they earn a bid to the NCAA tournament. They get the 10th seed in the Midwest bracket. I guess that's the Midwest section of Indianapolis. <laughs> and, they, and they draw number seven Clemson. They'll play Friday night at 920 at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. That's where the Pacers play. It'll be on TBS. And guys, after a long, long time, and listen, I, I graduated from Rutgers in 93, all right? So, and, and it was when I was at Rutgers is the last time they went to a tournament. So, you know, 30 years. So, you know, I've followed them the whole way. So that's a long time. So I'm very excited they finally uh, made the tournament and uh, really looking forward to uh, Friday. Help me out with this, though. I mean, you know, if you go to, on Ken Palm, and who knows, maybe these, the, the folks that uh, do the brackets don't look at Ken Palm as much, but they're like, a, uh, Rutgers is, a, what, a 34th? Uh, Clemson's in the 40s. Rutgers is a slight favored, but but yet they're 10th in the bracket, and, and Clemson is uh, 7th. What, what gives there? Yeah, I don't know what credence they give to it, to be honest with you. Um, so I can't really speak to it. I think there are some flaws in the system, uh, but... You know, it's an attempt to balance things out, but I don't really know. It's supposed to be if you go head to head what the point spread is, but I have no idea, you know, wh- how much the NCAA tournament takes it into consideration. Yeah. And, you know, coming Rutgers coming from the Big Ten, which everybody thought was the greatest uh, conference there was, and, and that was uh, borne out when they got nine teams in. Um, but you take a look at Clemson and while they, you know, coming down the stretch, they they were seven and six in their final thirteen games. They they did this year beat Alabama, they beat Maryland, they beat Purdue, mm-hmm. they beat North Carolina, and they beat Georgia Tech. So they've beaten some good teams. Um, so you know, the question will be, their offense is really not a great offense, and Rutgers has really good defense. So this one should be your quote unquote rock fight. Um, and, and in something like that, you got to think the Scarlet Knights will have the upper hand in this one. And they're very similar teams. They play defense uh, and, and, and they're not big, uh, not known for their offense. Uh, I mean, the best player on the court will be uh, Amir Sims. He's supposedly a, uh, projected to be a pro. Uh, the only averages 13 points a game. But I mean, I looked at the tape of the guy and. You know, he's, uh, you know, he hit the three, slash, super athletic, slasher, gets to the basket, a 6'8", big kid. Um, so he's going to be, uh, he's going to be tough to slow down. They also got the, looks like they have good guard pay that play. They got um kid from Newark, Alamir Dawes from Newark, and this kid, Nick Honor. So uh, the guards are pretty good. And usually when you have good guard play, you play good defense, and you got a super athletic a pro type player, uh, you you can do well. So that's probably why they got the seventh uh, seed. And again, but Rutgers comes in a slight favorite in this, and uh, I think they just have more weapons. I would say that Rutgers would have more weapons um, and uh, more spread out offensively with a lot of guys that can hurt you. Maybe Clemson doesn't have as many guys that can hurt you, but they got one guy who really can hurt you. So it'll be interesting to see if they can, uh, you know, if they can uh, defend Sims. Um, take care of these guards. 
Uh, Dawes is out actually very good too. I mean, he can get to the basket and he can hit the three too. So, so they got, they got some weapons. It'll be interesting to see. Um, and, but I, I agree with you, John. I think it, it looks like a more of a rock fight. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't score a lot and they don't have an inside presence. That's something that miles Johnson should, should he stay out of foul trouble, which will be key. Um, they should have the upper hand. They should hammer him with the ball down on the block early and often and, uh, see if he can do his thing. And if the defense collapses down, he's a very good passer out of the low post. He could find his friends, uh, Ron Harper jr. And geo Baker and, uh, Jacob young, uh, out around the three point line. I think that, you know, the fact that young is playing at his best, I think right now he went through a stretch there where he was coming off the bench and maybe, I don't know, pouting or whatever, but he seems to be playing his best basketball right now. And I, I think that, he will be a thorn in Alamir Dawes' backside. Uh, as you mentioned, he's from the Patrick School in Newark. Um, so we have a local angle there. Uh, he'll want to get back at Rutgers. I don't know whether they recruited him or not. I know that Seton Hall did. I know a bunch of the, the Big East schools recruited him, and he chose to go down um, down to South Carolina. But it will be interesting um, to see whether uh, they can hold down these guys. But again, I think they should try and dump the ball inside early and often and see what they can do in, inside. Yeah, that might be where their strength is. I agree, John. I think uh, it'll be a little bit of a matchup problem that they'll have with Sims based on what I read. Uh, he does, you know, he's not a low post guy. So who's going to watch him outside? Uh, it just depends to me which Rutgers team is going to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, is Rutgers going to show up like they did uh, against, uh, you know, Penn State? Uh, mm-hmm. Or are they going to show up and play like they did when they played Illinois earlier? I meant uh, Nebraska. Uh, yeah. Or are they going to play like they did earlier in the year uh, when they beat Illinois? You know, they haven't had a signature win since then. Clemson's yeah. very much the same way. Uh, these are middle-of-the-pack teams in their conferences. And so it, it does set up as a delicious matchup, that's for sure. But, Matt, you know, I mean, Rocker's notorious for slow starts. Even the win against Indiana in the opening round of the Big Ten, a slow start. Indiana had a nine-point lead. We saw what happened with Illinois. Illinois is just, is just playing on all cylinders. They're, they're very good. But still, you know, Rocker's, again, you know, a slower start and just never caught up. And so, and again, the Nebraska, you know, Penn State, just as you'd mentioned, Matt, all of these slow starts. So here you are. It's been 30 years. All right. You're getting into the tournament. Um, I, you got to believe Pike will have his guys ready to play. But will we see another slow start where Rutgers has to do some catch up? And that's, well, uh, that's yeah. Yeah. the good news is if you're going to get off to a slow start against anyone, I think Clemson might be the team that you <laughs> agree yeah, because yeah, as we've chronicled here, they don't really, as I like to tell the kids on my team, they don't ring the bell all that well. They're not a great offensive team. So um, if you do get off to a slow start, um, it certainly won't kill you in this one. Uh, again, I think they should uh, sort of push the tempo a little bit. Jacob Young is going to get out there running. And if he can get his mates along with him, mm-hmm. uh, I think it'll be a big game for uh, Geo Baker being the elder statesman, the senior, the guy who's been here forever, uh, getting his first taste of the NCAA tournament. I, I would rely on him early and often. I'd let uh, try and get him on track early. I'd, I'd run some sets for him, uh, get the ball inside again. But um, yeah, if they bring their hard hat and they and they bring that defense that they're that they're known for, they should be in this game. It will just be finding enough points to win, which I think that they probably will be able to do.
Yeah, I found it interesting that uh, Steve Peichel compared Clemson to Maryland, you know, when he was asked uh, that question. And of course, let's see, hmm, last time they played Maryland, that's right, they lost to them. Oh, yeah. that's right. You yeah. know, he's going to discount the Nebraska loss and Illinois loss because, well, Nebraska was just laying an egg and Illinois is a better team. So who was the last team we played that I can use to motivate my guys? And, oh, yeah, they remind me of Maryland. <laughs> like, was that, was, that pull a, was that pull a team out of your hat? Come on. Exactly. Like, it was such yeah. a motivator. Uh, just such a bulletin board selection on his part. Yeah. Well, you mentioned this the first course, time. Clemson was- said Rutgers reminds him of Clemson, which is pretty much what we said. Yeah, yeah, right. Pretty much, These schools yeah. are very much alike. Yeah, yeah. Steve, you mentioned off the top, it's their first appearance in the NCAA tournament since 1991. Uh, Bob Wenzel, the the alum, actually took them to the NCAA tournament twice in his stay as, as the head coach. And I have a question for you, Matt. Did you were you still at uh, Suburban Cable? Did you cover Keith Hughes when he was in Carteret? We did. Yeah. Cool. He was Absolutely. something else. Yeah, he was terrific. He yeah. out terrific at player, yeah. and then made the made the switch. He came over with Earl Duncan, another Syracuse guy, and they really they gave them a nice shot of adrenaline f- for the couple of years that they were uh, in, down on the banks. He was a terrific yeah. player, great shooter. Yeah, he had that he had that high shot. It was a long looping. He threw it like straight up in the air. He had this big loop to his shot, man. Bottom of the net, man. He was a, he was a terrific player. Remember him well. Yeah, he was fun yeah. to watch in high school as well. Yeah, no, I, I I do go back to that. And then, you know, you mentioned Bobby Wenzel. And then, uh, who was it? was it? Yeah, James Cratch did a great story on NJ.com this week where he kind of said 30 things that happened to the Rutgers program since they last got in. And some yeah. of them were just laugh-out funny. Embarrassing, oh. but laugh-out funny. You know, yeah. the, naked, the naked runs on the free throws, the, oh, the Mike God. Rice stuff, just – all the things that have gone wrong for Rutgers in those 30 years, but they finally got it right. Yep. So and here we now, go. now to me, now to me, they can't lose because yep. that really takes a, a lot. Listen, going yep. is a big deal. Yeah. But if they lose, that means they've lost to Illinois. They end their season with two losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ended their season on a bit of a downer. Uh, right. So, um, you know, I'm kind of, I think there's some pressure for Rutgers to put a little shine on this season. If they can win the game and extend their stay, hey, that's nice. You know, that then you get down to the top 32 teams of the last 32 teams that are still playing. And that's, uh, you know, and that's a feather in their cap. You know, one and done. I kind of like the bracket sure. here, guys. I like, you know, if they can get through this game, then maybe they get Houston. I don't know. You never know. I mean, uh uh, we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Pretty important to get that first win now that you've gotten in and it's a pretty good matchup for them. I guess similar teams again, um, even though they're the lower seed, uh, again, well, as I said at the top, they're actually slightly favored in this game. They're considered better according to Ken Palm anyway. And so it seems to be a pretty good, uh, matchup for them. And back to you, Matt, was the, which Rutgers team will show up? Well, let's start with Ron Harper jr. Which, which Ron Harper jr. Will show up. Will he, you know, cause he can take over a game. We saw it at the beginning of the year and, and will that happen? I mean, at the time to shine is now, right? So let's see. Uh, and he wants to be a pro too, right? Well, you know, now that you got national audience on you, well, you know, in the Big Ten Network, I mean, you get a lot of eyeballs on that too. But still, um, you know, it's it's it, the time to shine is now. Let's see what happens with him. And then, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Who's going to step up? It'd be kind of cool to see if a Cliff Omarui can get some more minutes and and um, and shine a bit himself. And um, 
And then, uh, you know, again, they, they, they have a, they have a lot of breakout guys that can have big games. You go back to Miles Johnson. I mean, they really don't have anybody who can defend him. So let's see. But we've seen that before. Maybe the same thing where they pack it down low. Clemson does and says, hey, Rutgers, if you're going to beat us, you got to beat us by shooting from outside. Uh, it seems to have and, worked. And, that, and that's a problem. Rutgers yeah. can't shoot. So, you know, it's an intriguing matchup. I think it's excellent. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So very excited uh, about the uh, first round uh, again, Friday night, nine twenty. There's some other uh, interesting um, matchups I saw, especially, you know, including the big 10. If you go over to the East, how about uh, Connecticut, Maryland guys? That's a pretty intriguing matchup. Yeah, that should, uh, that should be a good one uh, to see James Booknight get to uh, put his uh, talents on the national stage. Danny Hurley, um, will be uh it should be an interesting matchup because Maryland really played well down the stretch. I mean for for a while there, I mean it looked like they were were dead in the water. They weren't going anywhere. And then they really turned it on the last 10, 15 games of the season to uh to put themselves in the NCAA tournament. And uh you know Mark Turgeon's been there before. He's he's a he's a tournament tested coach. He's a feisty guy as we got to see in the Big Ten tournament with his little fracas with Juwan Howard and <laughs> Uh, and a, a fist fight between those two. I'm going to take Howard. How about you guys? Uh, he's, got yeah, little... he's got the reach. Yeah. He's got the reach. But that, 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 bantam, that bantamweight guy is tough sometimes. He's tough, yeah. And so he'll, he'll have well, I got, and you know, prepared. I, I heard, I got a little inside scoop on what happened there. And okay. I don't know, maybe it's been reported since. But right after it was over, I was speaking with someone who knows somebody, okay, so that's the connection, who was on the floor in that game. And apparently, uh, Turgeon turned and said, well, yeah, hey, you know, you can put a banner up, but they're just going to have to take it down after you get uh, investigated. (laughs) Or made reference to how, you know, Michigan had uh, some issues, let's say, while Juwan was playing there. Uh, Okay. Okay. I love it. All right, feistiness. Yeah, yeah Turgeon. Turgeon seems to be that guy, man. He, you know, it's that they'll get under your skin, man. It's it seems to be that way. But um, you know, he's got his team playing pretty well, so that's a that's a pretty cool matchup. And oh, how about this, guys? How about this? All right, you know, Eugene Omarui leaves Rutgers. Okay, says because he wants to go to the tournament. Oh well, Eugene, Rutgers made the tournament. Well, Oregon's the seventh seed out in the West. They get VCU. Is actually a pretty good team. But wouldn't it have been cool? Wouldn't it have been cool if Rutgers could have got that West draw and gotten to Oregon in that first round going up against Omarui? Yeah, that would have been great. I, I think the coolest thing about that would have been if um, Eugene Omarui had to cover Cliff Omarui and how the announcers would <laughs> yeah, right. have to announce have to figure out. Well, it's spelled the same way, but I don't know. Someone's a Mori, Omarui. Can you imagine? <laughs> They'd have to take a time out to find out how they're going to pronounce each other's names. But yeah, that would... Uh, that would have been uh, a juicy matchup. And, um, but as you say, he went West and he picked up uh, a couple of seeds on his, uh, on his draw from a 10 to a seven. They sort of floundered down the stretch, Oregon, but uh, Dana Altman is, is a terrific coach and he's taken teams deep in the NCAA tournament numerous times. Let's see how they do. I don't think it's, you know, his um, best team that he's ever had, but we will see. This is the time. Uh, put up or shut up time. And by the way, he's been great for them. He's been great for them. I wasn't sure how it was going to work out for him. 
And and he's been yeah. great. He's you know he's he's really worked his tail off, and it's him. He worked his butt off, but still, Pikeel, come on, pulled him off the, you know, the Division Two offer trash heap and kind of get you know, got him uh, got him into Rutgers, and that's uh, just a tough one, man. And he and and again, guys, he left because he said he wanted to make the tournament. Well, here we go. Rutgers is in the tournament here, and and so, um, you, you got to believe. You know, with Omarui is still on the banks, they'd be a better team. I, well, I understand it's, it's over, but that would have been a neat. Clearly. that would have been a neat story, huh, Matt? To see those two uh, go at it. Oh, that would certainly have uh, been a good headline, and would have been a great storyline. You know, I think there's still more than meets the eye to why he left. I mean, mm-hmm. he, you know, he, he was he was like, you know. The Cleveland Browns moving in the middle of the night. The Baltimore Colts moving in the middle of the night. It was like, uh, you know, like what happened Shocker. here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just came out of out of nowhere. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he just wanted to. Uh, he again. He wanted uh, a new horizon, and so good for him. I mean, he's <laughs> he worked. It's worked out well for him, and let, let's see what. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know, but yeah. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why he left the program, like in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like it, it happened just like that. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, a lot of theories. You know, uh, Pikeel brought in Yaboa and to take minutes away from him or something. Nefarious. Yeah, I'm not saying anything nefarious. I'm not saying anything other than it. It just was so odd. Yeah, and just to leave just because you said you want to go to the to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, with a team that was on the come. Oh, yeah. you, know, you left the team that was on the come. Just, just weird. Like yeah. I said, I, I don't. I don't mean to imply there's any reason to do a Woodward and Bernstein and you know win a Pulitzer Prize for uncovering what happened. I'm not suggesting there's anything worth any kind of an effort. It's just a weird way that he departed the program. Yeah. Let's face it, guys. He's a young man, and it was all about the gear. He wanted to go play at Oregon, where Phil Knight is the official outfitter of <laughs> right. the team. Where they hey, get you know, all the best sweats and shoes and shirts. And, and then hats. what about him being a possible pro? I've, I've heard an outside chance that he can be a pro. I mean, he's undersized, but he's got so many. He just learned how to use his body. He's got long arms. He really, he's good. You know? He had a terrific season. I mean, there's no doubt. If he were still at Rutgers, they would not be a 10 seed. They yeah. would be a lot better than a 10 seed. Mm. He's, he's a multi-talented player yeah. in a lot of different areas. Yeah, he rebounds, been, plays defense. He would have defense. been their go-to guy. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> no he would have been their main interior player. Imagine him with the shooters around him and, and, and Miles in the middle. I mean, this would have been a really good team. And yeah. So, um, yeah, he's 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 made a name for himself. Let's well, they can... made it. Rockers made it without him. And, and here we go. We move on. How about over in the South? That's you the got... best revenge, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. North Carolina, Wisconsin. That's a pretty cool matchup. Another Big Ten uh, team that's kind of the middle of the road. Big Ten team in Wisconsin gets the ninth seed, and they've got North Carolina there. It's a pretty cool uh, matchup. Yeah. And listen, Wisconsin is a tournament tested team. They always play well. Uh, they've always got guys that can make threes and, and make late threes and, at big times. Uh, North Carolina is is got like a three headed monster up front with. 6'10", you know, guys that can do a lot down on the block, um, Baycott and, and Sharp, and um, they, they just, you know, it's North Carolina. Come on. And so right. they're going to give you all they have, a great freshman point guard from, uh, from White Plains. And so that should be a good matchup, absolutely. All right. Well, March Madness is on, gentlemen. It starts on uh, Friday, the 19th. And, uh, again, Rutgers in action 
uh, Friday night uh, at 920. So we'll be locked into that. So you can stay up. Yes. Yes. So we'll, we'll take a little break. Uh, we'll listen to a spot from LG Insurance and then we'll talk about Seton Hall and what happened toward the end uh, for them. The big insurance companies barrage you with endless commercials and then have operators on standby, who knows where, ready to push you through the process. At LG Insurance, we'd like to get to know you, find out what your needs are, answer all your questions, earn your trust. No rush here. We'll take all the time you need, and we still have backing from all the big guys, so we'll get you a great rate too. LG Insurance. Local feel, national backing. And we're back on the Jersey Hardwood podcast, sponsored by LG Insurance. And uh, Seton Hall, um, tough end of the season, but then they showed a little life. Uh, first round a win over St. John's. And then, uh, boy, they were right in it with Georgetown, who ended up winning the whole thing. Right in it to the end there. Um, just uh, couldn't close it out in the last couple minutes there. And uh, their season ends. But, Matt, it was, you know, they were they were there. They could have. And then you got to believe Georgetown went the whole way, you know, with Villanova hurt and such. And could have been could have happened for them, but, but just didn't. Yeah, I mean, they were tied uh, with two minutes to yeah. go in that game against Georgetown. And you look at it the way Creighton played in the final, not to suggest that they would have played that way if Seton Hall had gotten in there, but you can be left scratching your head and playing the what-if game. But honestly, and it hurts to say, I'm not sure Seton Hall deserved a better fate than what they had. Uh, it's not so much that they shot themselves in, their, in the foot, it's they just... They just didn't shoot. They didn't rebound. Uh, they were lifeless. And, you know, I spoke with Jerry Carino, and he said it's more, uh, I think uh, maybe we said it last week, but he said it was a confidence thing. And when their confidence sagged, this team just had no way of uh, sticking its chest out again and recovering its mojo. And uh, I, I, you could see that, you know, uh, he's closer to it than I am. He follows them every day. And he's, you know, he's, he's at, practices and what happy when you can be. So I, I, I take his opinion at face value and I saw it against Georgetown. Like they, they were able to do some things, but then once they got punched, they had no, they had no return. They, they, they get knocked out. You punch them. They don't punch back. That was their story this year. And uh, unfortunately it came to an end in the, in the conference semifinals. Yeah. I mean, kudos to them for beating St. John's. They were able to figure out a way, but, you know, it was right there for them against Georgetown. They could have won that game. Georgetown's not that good. Yes, they're playing better. And, you know, maybe Patrick Ewing has finally turned the corner with that program and they're on their way back to some prominence. But they got punched and they didn't punch him back. You know, it's amazing. Georgetown was basically picked to finish last, I think, by, the, by all the coaches, them and DePaul. Uh, nobody thought they would do anything. And for most no. of the season, they were proving everyone right. They were really going nowhere. They had a bunch of no names. I mean, if you look at, at, at the names on the roster, it's like, who, who are these people? And all of a sudden, you know, Patrick Ewing is on the block. He's going to get fired at the end of the year. They were, you know, they, the, the whole pandemic thing sort of helped ease him back in last year. They didn't want to blow him out of there. And then all of a sudden, I mean, now you're seeing, uh, most of the pundits are picking Georgetown to upset uh, in their first round of the NCAA Colorado. tournament. I mean, what they did to Creighton was, I mean, I had to double take. They annihilated, annihilated Creighton. That was not a game 
they were losing, I think, 13 to 6 at one point, and then the score at halftime was like 31 to, to 15. I mean, they outscored them almost 28 to 2 or 3 to end the first half. It, was, it wasn't even close, and this was not like the, the Patrick Ewing and the, and the Reggie Williams and then the Quintus McDonald's. I mean, remember some of those names, uh, Horace Broadnax and all those great you know, Georgetown players. It, it wasn't those guys. It was, you know, the Chuda Belays and the uh, cutest Wahhabs of the world. Maybe America's going to get a chance to see th- these guys have really turned the corner and that, that Patrick Ewing has, has really helped uh, turn their not only their physical tools around, but mentally he's got them playing on a high. It, it's interesting. And, and um, yeah, Seton Hall was right there, but who knows? Maybe this team has found it. And Georgetown looks, and what do you want? You want you want to be playing your best basketball entering the tournament. So, you, you, and, and look at you know Creighton still gets that fifth seed out in the West, and uh, Georgetown gets the twelfth seed. They're up against Colorado, and I don't know if I'd want to be Colorado right now. I mean, Georgetown's playing very well, so uh, probably better than than a twelfth seed for sure. So uh, that'll be an interesting uh, interesting matchup there. You know, back to Seton Hall. Matt, because, you know, they were clearly a bubble team and I don't even know if they needed to win the tournament. They could if they could have got past uh, just that, that, you know, tight game against Georgetown would have been enough. It was really that close for them because they were considered a bubble team. Yeah. Had they won in the semifinals, it's possible that we would be talking about them playing in Indianapolis instead of being home. Uh, But again, you know, the second half of the season was such a disappointment. And, um, you know, they they probably wound up being who they were. Now, were there reasons for that aside from confidence? Yeah, I mean, I think all teams had to deal with it. But, you know, clearly, I mean, Kevin Willard kept mentioning it, you know, the isolation that they felt. I think it was a drain on their team, you know, all the COVID stuff. And, you know, they did have COVID issues and they were shut down. And again, this is not the only team in the country that had to deal with it, but the, I don't want to say they didn't handle it well. Maybe they handled it great, but they, they just grounded to a halt. You know, Matt, it'll be interesting to see um, what happens in the days coming forward. I don't know whether you guys are following this or not, but the, the transfer portal is absolutely teeming with players and oh, really, crazy. really good players. I know two guys from Providence have already entered the portal. I saw that Takal Olsen has put his name in the, in the portal. It'll be interesting to see, like, if, listen, your, your team, Matt, my guys were right in the same boat as yours. It almost looked like our guys wanted no part of the season any longer. My Providence team, they have talent there and and down the stretch. It was like, they didn't, they didn't even show up for some of these games. So they've already got two guys in the portal. Uh, I think they had the same thing that you guys had, which was, you know, a, a fragile, maybe team psyche, Maybe there wasn't a great mix between players on the team and the coaches, but I mean, you take a look, there are hundreds of kids that are, they're putting their names in and they're good players. And, and it's an opportunity now where maybe if your school didn't recruit so well in the fall uh, at the fall signing period, you can truly remake your team within a month now with, with some good guys from these smaller conferences that are scoring, you know, 18 and 20 points a game, maybe at these lesser known conferences that can come right in and step in and, and take on big roles. So that, I think that's something to look uh, to see maybe if Kevin Willard has uh, as a few more guys leave the team uh, and if he's able to fill uh, the holes with some, some impact transfers in the spring. 
Yeah, I mean, he's got a decent, uh, one of the best recruiting classes he's had coming in, so that will help. Uh, he's going to lose Mamu Kalashvili. I'll be curious to see if any of the players take advantage of the free year they're going to get to come back. Um, I don't know if if um, if uh, uh, Kale uh, will come back. Right, he would probably help them defensively, but it might be time he's thinking about moving on. I don't know if Shavar Reynolds will come back. Um, yeah. You know, he he might play a little bit of a reduced role, but yeah, it's it's very very interesting. I could see where maybe Obiagu would come back. Yeah, I mean, where are some uh, of know, these guys going to go? Other than Sandler, well, exactly. who's a pro, um, yeah. what the heck, man? I was you going to let me hang around college another year? Maybe do some graduate work, and and you know it'll be a, it'll be a real college season next year with people on campus, and I can you know still flirt with the girls at the game. I mean, why not? I'm a big man on campus. Sign me up. Yeah, I think that it, it'll be interesting to see who winds up staying. Uh, throughout college basketball, what's going to happen at Rutgers. Uh, but I do agree that the transfer portal has become the wild, wild west. I was oh. never in favor of the rules slanted toward the schools. Yeah. Coaches could leave no penalty. Players always had to sit out a year. If they wanted to transfer within the conference, they had to sit out two years. Yep. Uh, well, that's all changed now, now. Now, now it's changed, and now it's like, look, if the coach looks at you the wrong way, you just go try to find greener pastures elsewhere. I mean, right. I wish, I wish, you know, to call Molson well, he didn't turn out to be what Seton Hall fans had hoped. But now this will be his third school. I was going to say, I mean, obviously this year was a mulligan for everybody. But how much eligibility does he still have left? I mean, well, he he gets, got, everybody gets the one extra year. Yeah, he's got that one extra year, but I mean, I would have to think that that's it because he's been uh, he's been a couple of different places. But yeah, I mean, take a look at the names. There's a lot of big names. I mean, there's kids from Kentucky that are leaving. Um, you know, there's, there's big name players that are out there, and of course, the rich get richer. You start to see like you know, like the Dukes and the Kansases and all of these guys jump in on uh, on all the big ones. But you can truly remake your team. Um, I know there's one guy, Matt, that that um, Seton Hall and Providence are both in the final five with is a young man named Earl Timberlake, who was a, a teammate of Hunter Dickinson at the Massa, the great Hunter Dickinson at Michigan. And he was a top 30 guy who wound up going to Miami and he had a lot of injuries. He's about a six, six, you know, two twenty. He, he, he looks like a prize fighter. I mean, he's got the body. Um, uh, he certainly hit the genetics lottery, but here's a guy who's, who's on the market. I mean, if you bring a guy like that and he was a borderline McDonald's all American, you add him to your roster now. And it's like, Hey, let's go to war, man. This guy can play with some of the guys that I have left. You can really and truly remake your roster within the next couple of weeks. If you bring in the right transfers. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, it's burdens pastures for sure, but it's really interesting. Like you said, uh, the, the big boys can look around and pluck someone who was, lightly recruited but developed at a smaller school and now he wants an opportunity to play on the big stage but at the same time as you mentioned there are players who were recruited by those schools who are leaving because they didn't get the opportunity they thought to me there's there's so much going on in college we'll say basketball but college sports between the name image and likeness rules between the transfer rules uh, between whether or not they, they, they're going to keep one and done, 
the the NBA is now got the G League. The, yeah. There's a there's a private entity out there that's apparently well funded that wants to start to attract high school players uh, to play and get paid to do so. Uh, it's it's really it, we are in some interesting times. The old college went for for old alma mater. It just <laughs> barely it barely exists, right? I mean, it barely yeah. exists. It's it really is for himself. It's it really, really every man for himself. Yeah, the Wild West. I mean, this is really... You know, all um, these teams are, are finding these transfers to help them. I mean, you see how much Yaboa helped Rutgers last year. And look at that Mike Smith kid from Columbia. Kind of the same thing, same page that Seton Hall did with uh, with Aiken. To get that Mike exactly Smith kid from Columbia. Yeah. Man, that kid is good. And he made, exactly he, he's making saying. Michigan yeah. a damn good team there. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Now, and I don't know his story as well, but Aiken graduated. Uh-huh. So it's a little different. Injuries, and obviously they continue at Seton Hall. Injuries would have given him an extra year at Harvard, but the Ivies don't allow you to play, you know, medical red shirts and things like that. You don't get the extra time. So he graduated and he was playing at Seton Hall as a graduate student, but it's very similar. I guess. But I'm just talking about making a team that Michigan's very good, but they are an elite team by just a couple of pieces there. And I think they got another transfer. His name escapes me from like Wichita state or something that that's, uh, was been a really good player for them. Yeah. It's yeah. So, so you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, and you're out there coaching on the sideline and you're trying to get into parents' homes and players' homes to recruit. But meanwhile, the back door is wide open and it's awfully drafty because, uh, and you can't tell me that through friends of programs, street agents, athletic uh, equipment representatives, whatever yeah. the pipeline is, that. Your guy, the guys who are escaping out the back door being recruited. And by the way, you're probably doing the same thing. So yeah. it is just yeah. crazy time in sports. Crazy. You know, what well, else is. you know what else is interesting about this? And, and I tend to follow it because I love the, uh, the whole recruiting angle and, and who's going after who. And it's big on Twitter. Um, and what, what these kids are doing is sort of like putting themselves out there where they they'll put a it's a picture of them and they'll say okay like basically who wants me now who, who's coming after me harder <laughs> yeah. top yeah. and they're like top four dropping on Thursday so it'll be a picture of a guy and the top four schools they have it superimposed with their uniforms on I mean these kids are loving all of this it's like yeah. they're getting yeah. recruited and sure. you know who, who wants me more let's go and so it's sure. really become yeah. a cottage industry now. So, Matt, Seton Hall turns down an NIT uh, invite. They don't want to go to a bubble in Texas. can certainly understand it with how trying the season has been. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I'm a little disappointed, but the way the season ended, really not so. Uh, it's not the same year. The NIT is not the same tournament. And I'm not talking about, you know, living in the past. When it was the tournament, you know, it was great. It was the national championship at one yeah, point. Right. I'm talking about the modern iteration of the National Invitation Tournament. It's one thing if you can play games on your own campus uh, and then make your way to Madison Square Garden. It's another thing if you got to go into another bubble to not play for a national championship. If Seton Hall was invited to the NCAA, they certainly would have gone, but they would have been playing for the national championship. The NIT is nice. It's nice to recruit off of uh, a postseason appearance. It's nice to continue to practice with your underclassmen. It's nice to have your name out there in the news. All of 
of those things. And it's good competition. It's great prep for next year. But in this instance, I don't think so. So, you know, uh, I think they made the right decision. I don't think this team was mentally ready to go to a bubble. I don't think they they were. They weren't the only big-time school to say no-no to the NIT. I mean, Louisville, as they like to pronounce it now, uh, Duke, uh, St. John's and Xavier were also teams that were in consideration that said, no mas, we don't want yeah. to, uh, we don't want to go any longer. And listen, I, I don't know how I, I, I sort of feel as an alum of my school, if they were invited, even though this year I, I was thrilled that their season came to an end. Cause I was actually sick and tired of watching their lackadaisical play. I almost feel like, you know what, get back out there and start to build for next year. You know, you can, yeah. you can still improve and maybe some guys that uh try some different try some different um combinations if if you know player a and b who are your go-to guys are not giving you anything put their fannies on the bench and give c and d uh, an opportunity because the game you know you're sort of playing with house money here but um you know i can see it both ways and, and even so maybe the coaches are, are just tired and they want to yeah, it uh, seems like um, it. seems like Willard did the right thing. He put it to the players. I, I read the article from Carino. He's put it to the players. The players are like, no, you know. I mean, think about it. They're, I mean, they they end it relatively flat. What are they going to do going down to Texas? And like you said, Matt, they're not playing really for anything. It's just be uh, the whole question is why? Why do it? I mean, I can totally understand why they pass on that. Yeah, but how about you're you're a basketball player? You're on scholarship to play basketball. Let's face it; these guys are not. You know, I love during this time of year when, when uh, you know, when there's no pandemic and the game is over and they bring the players of the of the game and sit on the podium and somebody from the NCAA will start it off. Okay, let's open it up for questions for the student athletes. I mean, come on. These guys are here to play basketball. It's not like yeah. they're dying to get back into their chemistry classes. So, you know, I would right. think as, as, a, as well, a player, you'd say, you know, let's strap it on and keep going. You know, I'm well, going to keep playing. It's a great point, John, and I don't know what the voting was at Seton Hall. And after the game against Georgetown, uh, Kevin did say, when asked about the NIT, he said, well, we'll, 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 I'm not of the mind to go right now, but we'll talk it over. We'll talk to the kids. But I'm not, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not going to bring Sandro. So he already said, I'm not going to bring my best player, protecting oh, okay. him, uh-huh. you know, protecting him uh, and keep, you know, that's it. Your college career is over. Let's go. So now let's just say you're in that room though. And so he doesn't have a vote. All right. Uh, and maybe he stands up and says, no, hell coach, I want to play, but he's probably thinking about the next level and, you know, just finishing up this year and then moving on. So, okay. So now everybody gets to vote. Well, what happens if the vote is, Oh, I don't know. Six, five. I, I'm, I'm not doing the math here. Well, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if Jahari long said, no, first off, he's from Houston. He might want to go down to Texas and play. Secondly, he didn't play a ton. He was one of the few guys they played off the bench this year. He could use all the experience he got. Now, it might have been just a few practices and then a one-and-done. Who knows? But, you know, maybe he did want to play. Uh, So, in the end, I I, I don't know how it all shook out and how the voting went down. But I do think, overall, it probably was the right decision. I don't think Seton Hall's mind uh, or soul uh, or heart was in that, that place. And yep. uh, now that's not to say that you don't know if there'll be any holdover, there'll be any grudges. But now next year they recruit and they play hard and they work hard. I mean, just so much was expected, right? They came off a year where they thought they possibly 
going to make a big run into the NCAA tournament with Miles Powell. That gets pulled out from underneath their feet. Then they're thinking, well, we return all these guys. We're going to go to the NCAA. It doesn't work out for a variety of reasons. You know, some of it their own fault. And now let's go play in the NIT. Like it just, it just didn't feel right. That being said, next year, who knows? They might say, hey, uh, you know, it didn't work out, but we didn't really expect as much. We were a younger team. So now we'll go because it's back to normal and we do want to compete. Yeah. Oh, no, that's right. We get those extra practices too. Let's not forget that. Yeah, there's a lot going on. A lot of moving parts, as they like to say. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's the other side of it, too, is that the NIT is, you know, there's organizers of the tournament that care about the tournament, so I'm sure that they're not happy with these big programs saying, hey, we'll pass this year. You know, I don't know if they, you know, in the following seasons, they'll be like, well, we'll remember this, guys. But, uh, I mean, they do care about their 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 tournament, and they're trying to do their best, you know, to spiel the, what it was it, just 16, right, and just going to this bubble in Texas. I mean, party is almost like, why why even bother with all that's going on? Just, just have the uh, NCAA tournament, but um, they opted to uh, go ahead and um, and uh, uh, have it anyway. Uh, one other uh, d- story: and Mammoth uh, uh, drops. Uh, they lost to Fairfield. How about Jay Young? Huh? He uh, he was the uh, assistant for Rutgers, defensive specialist assistant for Rutgers, and he goes on to Fairfield, and they uh, upset uh, Mammoth. So Mammoth and St. Peter's, uh, uh, and they he went on to. Uh, beat uh, St. Peter's too. Um, Iona ended up beating Fairfield and, g- and going to the tournament, but Fairfield uh, g- got close there. So uh, Jay Young doing okay over there with them. And, uh, you know, Mammoth uh, just petered out early in the tournament and after being second in the MAC. So no one else from Jersey, it seems, just uh, uh, just Rutgers uh, yeah. at, at this point. So, uh, and that'll go down um, this Friday night, 920. And we'll be there. We'll cover it, of course. That'll do it for this week's uh, Jersey Hardwood uh, podcast. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, find us on iHeart, find us on SoundCloud, all the places, all the directories you you look to to, to find your podcast. We're also on moresportsnow.com. Uh, I'm Steve Titchener with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. And we'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye.